A one, a two, a one, two, three, four! Music at a rational volume. Hey everybody, thanks for clicking the button for your Music at a Rational Volume podcast. I'll be your host, Nate. Over there's Kyle. No, I'm here. Go ahead. You are Kyle, aren't you? <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm looking at something else, but uh, uh-huh. I'm paying attention. Welcome back to uh, the show. We've had been a little hiatus. I think this will be episode one of season two after 20 marginally successful episodes last or, or volume series. two <laughs> volume two there you go there. nice we'll call it volume two that's cool uh we really should rehearse this but <laughs> so we got some cool stuff coming up in over the summer and uh, hope you'll check some of the stuff out uh we are gonna get some interviews with some friends and People who other music fans, hopefully some other good stuff, but yet to be determined. Uh, for this week, though, we wanted to do a little bit kind of just a warm up, a little ease back into it kind of a thing. Uh, Kyle, why don't you tell the folks what we're doing? I think this is kind of in the uh, the series Greatest Records Ever Created by Humans on Planet Earth. Um, so we went with one uh, from 1985, Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. Nate, this is one of your favorites. Yes. I like it a lot, but what is it that uh, drew you to this, or where'd you first hear it? Uh, This particular record is probably the first one that gave me an inkling that I was kind of a music obsessive collector kind of person. Weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. So my older brother is five years older than me, and... I can't remember if he had this record or if he just had the single of Weird Science. Uh, it was back in the day I could you know, could hear the occasional out of left field song on the radio <laughs> on top for you. That doesn't happen yeah. so much anymore. Uh, no, that's 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 certainly true. Yeah, but I really loved the song, and it it was one of the first experiences of just being like, "Wow, I need that song." I need to listen to that song whenever I want. And uh, my brother wouldn't let me copy it. (laughs) So I became a little obsessive as a (laughs) younger person. And uh, yeah, I got in trouble with, uh, but it's neither here nor there. Um, So did you, did you end up taping it? uh, I went to his um, secret lair, AKA his bedroom and (laughs) and copied it. And uh, he was not pleased, but it's all fine now. We're all good. Uh, yeah, so the whole record is definitely of a time and of a place. And uh, certainly, in my opinion, underrated. And definitely, even at this point, deserves greater attention. You hear a lot of other 80s bands and other 80s artists. You know, that kind of stood the test of time. But really, all you hear about on Bungo is how famous Danny Elfman is now for being a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I was gonna say soundtrack guy, but um, soundtrack guy because he's not really a composer, but he is a composer. But then he's like, he also does singing and stuff on the soundtracks, and 
I think he is generally a composer. I mean, he wrote the Simpsons theme and yeah. uh, Desperate Housewives and all of the, um, what's his name? Tim Burton. There you go. Did almost all of Tim Burton films, much other stuff. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I'd say he's a composer. composer. He does compose music. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, my history with the album. It's solid all the way through. It has every 80s kind of trope and sound you you want it's got a little duran duran a little cure a little the horns remind me a lot of um what's that band uh it's not coming to me the specials or could be specials or yeah that's and madness yeah so a lot of really solid sounds and a lot and just like i'd heard them you know here um as a kid, but didn't really realize that they weren't nationwide. Like they're very regional in popularity. Um, they're a, an LA band, um, very popular in California, uh, certainly in Southern California. Would you say they're a ska band though? They kind of predate ska, don't they? Well, that's the thing. You hear that a lot and people, well, they got horns. They must be ska. I'm like, I don't really hear that to me. They're closer to Devo <laughs> or, um, yeah, there's a Minneapolis band, The Suburbs. I think they're closer to that. They get a weirdness about them for sure. Yes. Yeah, but I don't know. That ska thing gets thrown around a lot. I'm like, I don't really hear that. <laughs> no, to me, the, the the horns are closer to a a Motown or a, an R and B, right. James Brown kind of thing. Yeah, I really hear ska. I think people are quick to link things that aren't necessarily linkable. Cause yeah, you know, want to? <laughs> oh, this belongs in the late '90s, early 2000s. Scott Ray's like, no, it really doesn't. The the vibe is wrong. The orchestration's wrong. It just doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think that might have been one of the problems, though. Is really kind of hard to categorize this band. And like you said, people like doing that. They like putting them in. Well, even for marketing them, what kind of magazines are you going to have cover them? And uh, are they going to be on 120 minutes on MTV? Or are they going to be on regular programming? Or, you know, what kind of band is this? And uh, they were unique, but certainly um, weird. Well, you don't know what box to put them in. So they get a lot of, right. you know, well, they've got this. You know, they're kind of depressing. So they must be in the cure now. They're too upbeat for the cure. Well, that's just it. They didn't have those slower ballad. Most of their stuff is pretty upbeat, even on this record. Yeah. I don't think. Th- I mean, yeah. We're, I mean, we're going to get into it, but the, their fans, because this record was a bit of a departure, uh, didn't really care for it because of songs like Stay, which aren't like, you know, slow jams necessarily, but for this band, they are. <laughs> like, they're definitely a, a step down, you know, kind of smoother song even just another day um doesn't have quite the manic energy that uh, maybe the fans were used to for oingo boingo yes but yes. Uh, as far as what was playing at the time is it, it was very upbeat and manic compared right. to um the other pop hits i think yeah and, you're, you're not gonna get a lot of duran duran like <laughs> doing that kind of stuff no and just you know by looking at them you're not going to confuse them with duran duran either no, there's no Simon LeBond in there. They're all kind of uh, trolls. 
as it were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they belong in the album land where under, under a bridge, but <laughs> oh, sad. I, I think that was part of their problem. But um, you think that, the image? Yes. If they had an image, you know, as far as the fashion went, that didn't really seem necessarily part of the time. Yeah. Um, they had kind of a unique look. I don't think it was really cohesive amongst the band members either. Well, they probably didn't get a stylist or, a, you know, publicist no. to help them out. I don't think they can. Well, I don't. I mean, they were on pretty big labels. Yeah, MCA you know, and A&M. And, and, and I mean, even before that was IRS. That was um, right. Uh, I don't want to say Stuart Copeland, but Miles Copeland's label, I believe. I think, but these are all record labels you had heard of. So, yeah. I mean, the promotion would have been there. I don't think they're getting a ton of money, but, and I don't know how much they toured. Uh, I was too young to really know or care about live music really at the time, because by the time they put out their last one and then say 94, was it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. By then, okay. da- uh, Danny had been doing all the soundtracks and oh, stuff at that point. I think their last live performance was 96. If we were a good podcast, I'd know that. Exactly. Oh. They, yeah, it was some kind of Halloween thing at the, I want to say the Hollywood Bowl or play. That sounds right. Something. I don't know. You guys can look that up, whoever's listening <laughs> to this, but. Do your own it's research. Not, it, it's something along there. But as far as this one, What's your favorite song from this record? Uh, Weird Science. Still, that is still your favorite. Still my favorite. Okay. Uh, I do. I do love Stay, and I do love Just Another Day. Dead Man's Party. I I like it, but it, I think it's because it has become this Halloween jam, and people like it for that. I've always liked that. Um, heard somebody cry. I think that should have been a hit. I do like That's that one a lot. Probably my favorite off this. Just Another Day. I think the problem with that one is that it starts out a little slow, yeah, but then it picks up into a you know a normal and going song. It but, reminds me uh, of a song that could have opened like any Eddie Murphy movie in the eighties. But a lot of these songs sound like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, it have those. Uh, I don't know. I can't even describe some of the instruments, but electronic drums and keyboards, and but they all seem to be mixed really well. This was. Uh, produced by Elfman and the guitarist uh, Steve, something or another. Oh, yeah. I expect I you know. to know this. How would I know that? I don't know. You're the <laughs> you're the Oingo guy. Let's look I, it up. I am the Oingo guy. You you talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I think it was kind of a natural thing for him. But Steve Bartek, the uh, guitarist, who's Big by guy. the way is fantastic. I mean, if you listen to some of these solos, I'm like. I think well, the in the band 80s, is great. you just got used to every band just being really good. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't get signed. Yeah. But you're right. The whole band, uh, the musicianship on this record is fantastic. The singing's great. Lyrics are, you know, good, passable. Yeah. I don't think they're poetry, but I'm so what? I think the songs are, are, are really, really good. Well, they're full of imagery. Like, uh, a lot of ghosts and death and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which you would expect from Tim Burton's best friend and 
co-conspirator the album cover looks like it could have been done by tim burton yeah you know on the back cover well all of theirs do they're just just so manic and so so much going on and i don't know i guess if i was at a record store in 85 and i saw that i probably would have passed it by i don't think i would have thought too much of it but (laughs) even though iron maiden not that far away (laughs) i don't know it's That's it's not different. it's not black and red and gray. I need to. It's got too many colors in it. I don't know. Iron Maiden certainly had a thing, and there's a number of people that I've talked to. That, oh, I bought that Iron Maiden record because of the cover. Great. <laughs> I, That's weird. I don't hate Iron Maiden. I've never been a huge fan, but um, I got a couple of their records. I'm okay with them, but uh, yeah. I I don't I don't crave that yeah. that much. Uh, so anyway, uh, peaked at number 95 on Billboard, top 200. Uh, I think we both agree that's low. Should have been much better. Con- considering all the links, like Weird Science was a John Hughes thing, and of course the film of the same name uh, was all over that movie. And um, just a-, a lot of very easy to digest pop music. Well, not just that. I mean, people might forget, but in in 86, I think summer of 86, um, they actually performed Dead Man's Party in a Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back to School. This was a big movie. This did over 100 million worldwide, 91 million in the States. This was was actually a bigger movie at the time than Weird Science. I think Weird Science has probably done better with... uh, you know, getting played on cable and rentals and all of yeah. that. And it's probably got, well, I think it's aged better, but uh, yeah, probably, but they were actually in this movie with a giant neon sign over them that said, Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And you got to actually see them play this song for, you know, a couple of minutes hmm. in, in the movie. And it was on the soundtrack and that was a huge movie too. Plus they had a song in the um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. Now, that movie didn't do as well, but still, MCA was definitely marketing this band. Plus, they yes. had four videos. They had four singles from this record. Um, Weird Science was the highest charted one. I think that was number 45. So, they yeah. didn't have any top 40 hits from it. It's I, I don't really know why. I mean, I kind of made a list of some reasons why i think but yeah 85 was a big year from other bands too it was huge yeah so i mean i don't know if they just got lost we'll we'll do a little deep dive into why we think maybe they weren't as big as they should have been but in terms of the music uh just another day demo's party heard somebody cry stay i think same mana was before and weird science all should have been i agree you know uh, the only two that I look at so this kind of filler would be Fool's Paradise and Help Me. Uh, yeah, they're not bad songs, songs, but yeah. um, I wouldn't have released those as single. But yeah, same man. That's that's a good song too. I'm like, I just can't believe that none of these were hits, especially at that time yeah. when they're on a major label and they were definitely getting exposure. I you know, and I saw them on you know the late night shows and yeah. and. Uh, Obviously, they were making videos. Now, there's a lot of politics as to what gets played and what doesn't. But right, I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, you're really weird. you're middle America. Um, you hadn't sure. heard this record all the way through before. No. Uh, you know, three days ago when we were talking about doing it. No, but I mean, I heard just another day, Dead Man's Party, of course. Um, yeah. Stay. I'm like, oh yeah, that's them too. Cool. You know, of course, uh, Weird Science and uh, um, what's the other one? No one lives for. I had heard most of it. Yeah. Before I was surprised, I'm like, "Oh, this was on one record! Holy crap!" But I hadn't sat and listened to the whole thing all the way yeah. through. Well, you didn't really know there was a record. No, I was listening to Rat and you know Motley Crue and Kiss and all that stuff <laughs> in '85. So I wouldn't yeah. have been listening to this at all anyway. This wasn't marketed towards me at the time, but you know, my sister was into all this pop stuff, but she was more into. Duran Duran and we kind of talked about that you know she had pictures of John Taylor on her wall probably wouldn't have had one of Danny Elfman (laughs) on his best day he he looks like his name classically handsome (laughs) they just weren't I mean they just no you know a lot of those bands weren't we talked a lot about in the Smithereens episode like exactly like if not for the music, then you know what they got. No, I was watching one of their videos and somebody commented, "Remember when they used to let ugly people make music? It was great." <laughs> <laughs> like uh, nice. Yeah, you're not wrong. Kind of a jerk, but certainly was a good band. Yeah, but these guys. I, I that can't have been everything. I mean, because they were really, really good. And it, yeah. yes, they, these do sound like 80s songs, but they were made in the 80s. And back in the 80s, there was a lot of other bands making similar types of right. music that wasn't as good that became hits. Yeah. Well, they were different. And, I, and different is sometimes a tough sell. Like you, you, you were talking about the Knights. Yeah. Um, kind of origins of the name which i can't remember what the full name was they were well his brother had a musical theater troupe group and i'm sure i'm butchering this but it was something along those lines but they were called the mystic knights of the oingo boingo yeah i mean that's just and for a while they were actually before they were boingo they were the mystic knights and i think they would have been done better being called the mystic knights and Oingo yeah. Boingo, but well, you know. Oingo Boingo isn't a band that you can sell. Like you know, Duran Duran's a little classy. You know, even Madness, like it's Madness. The Specials; these are names of bands. <laughs> um, I think they're better names. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Is their name was terrible this album cover i think is terrible yeah not all of them but this one it's just too many little things going on there's just i i don't i i don't like it and the other glaring reason that it did probably didn't get a lot of airplay or enough airplay was uh, some of the songs are just way too long way too weird, long weird science is my favorite one it's it, at four minutes it's a tremendous, just excellent piece of music. And then yeah. it goes on for two more minutes. And, and like, even if you like it, you're like, okay, it, is it done? No? Well, is, is it done? How about right. now? 
Yeah, like it doesn't need to be six minutes long. No, but, but both of their quote unquote hits, if you will, off this record, Weird Science and um, the other one. Yeah. Uh, why am I blanking now? Dead Man, they're both over six minutes long. Yeah. Those don't get played on the radio. I mean, it, it's, you know, this isn't uh, FM radio, the early 70s, where they're going to play Stairway to Heaven. They had a lot of other, you know, three-minute pop songs. And I think they did make shorter versions that were singles. Oh, I'm sure. But the, they should have had a producer. Said, we're yeah. going to cut a minute out of each of these. Like, I'm looking at just another day. It's It's still five minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I think we talk about being concise into your album creation. There's nine songs. It's uh, it's really only 42 minutes long, but if you take a minute out of those three, you're 39 minutes. That's a better record. Yeah. In, I, in I do opinion. like that. It's only nine songs. I think that's, that's a perfect length. I think the songs they selected were good. I don't know what the, any of the other ones that were around at the time, but I think yeah. they picked really good songs. But I think sometimes you need a producer to go in there who's um, not so invested and not so, you know, hasn't been living with these songs for, you know, eight months or whatever that can just say, this has to be shorter. This can be a huge hit. Right. I think they picked the the right ones for for singles, but I, I don't know what else to say on that as far as the marketing and it looks like the record company was behind them they made videos and you know they put them in the right spots and put them in movies and yeah well i guess you can just point to the music buying public because i think the you know girls at the time were buying duran duran like your sister like i think you know content wise and and that way they definitely appealed more to teenage boys yes but teenage boys were probably into rat and like rock and roll music. I don't know that they were, you know, listening to Madonna or whatever. Other um, you would have had to been a pretty strong. Um, you, you would have to have a lot of self-esteem to be a Boingo fan back then. And well, I'm going to listen to what I want to in junior high yeah. or high school. That would have been tough. Well, that's probably why regionally, because they were an LA band. So I think, you know, sure. It's easier when there's more people around you that like you, the same thing you like. So yes, it didn't really transfer across. Uh, but if you, like you were saying, though, at the time when they were putting out music, you know, when you talk about when people make you buy an 80s hits collection, the songs that were top 10 hits at the time that they were releasing singles were Phil Collins, Prince, Wham, yeah. Madonna, Bruce Springsteen, Sting. Heart, Loverboy, Arcadia, Tears for Fear. These were all their competition at the time. Yeah. It would have been really, really difficult. And those guys make great videos too. So. Yeah. Well, you could argue they're a lot more accessible. For sure. Because even looking back on it, it does have a lot of the whiff of Edward Scissorhands and, you know, future Tim Burton-ness. Um, yes. You know, is that a factor in just not being attractive to middle America where, you know, they just want a bubble gummy pop hit or, you know, they like their darkness with a little more edge and less sense of humor. I think the horns were probably a problem for some people. Probably. 
I mean, when you hear well, we horns, all know those guys, we were like, right, horns, but, man, they suck. Yeah, yeah, they don't give a damn about no trumpet playing band. It's not what they call rock <laughs> and roll. Because back then, I mean, horns that was Chicago. That was a seventies thing, you know. Yeah, keep it there. Maybe you have a sax player, you know, like in Hall and Oates, or yeah. but even then, um, something like that. That wasn't in every song, though. Uh, Hall and Oates had jazz foundations, and you know that made a lot more sense for their music. Well, yeah, and that Philly soul, and uh, but they made it more poppy, and those were good-looking guys too, and you know their stuff was more fun and um, smoother, I guess. Yeah, um, all of the Boingo stuff was really up tempo and kind of yeah. Even this one, which was more of a pop record i guess or mm-hmm. more of pop influences if you will still a lot more manic than some of that other stuff yeah no you're right for sure but when you for look at sure. like when doves cry and you know born in the usa and stuff like that it's like they had a lot of really good songs at the time there was just so much good pop music but i yeah. thought song for song some of these should have been um in that same category I don't know why they were so overlooked. Whereas a band like The Cure, I think because they stuck around and because they stayed, they elevated to this, you know, rock and roll hall of fame status. Yeah. Whereas I don't think they made any good music in twenty years, but No. Well not not new music. They've done Um, the same old song again. Or four songs. I haven't liked much of what I've heard recently from them. Yeah. But um, do you think it's you know the same issue that an artist like Bare Naked Ladies or even Weird Al is getting people to take them seriously? Because they they do have a bit of a sense of humor, a little, a little bit of a whimsy, not in a jokey way necessarily, but kind of giving a wink and a nod to some of these darker topics. Yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Whereas with the Bare Naked Ladies. First of all, their stuff was much more accessible thing. I think as far as their pop songs go, they were definitely more jokey. Yeah. For you sure. know, out and out clowny at times. <laughs> so um, their early stuff, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which I think, you know, you being a fan, you like, oh, I get this. You know, I mean, on the joke, I understand it. But yeah. um, like you said, their lyrics were kind of dark and not dark enough for Cure fans. I don't know. Or their music was too upbeat for the cure. I, I, I don't get it. Not enough self-loathing. Well, like the Depeche Mode stuff. I, I'm not a fan. I understand yeah. why people like it. I don't think they're Hall of Fame worthy, but I think they got their their due and then some. But with these guys, they never really did. And this was the record that was going to do it. So yeah. if this one doesn't succeed, well, I think this is as good as they got. They did have some good stuff before and after, but right. as far as one you know, solid cohesive record. I think they went as far as they could into the pop vein right. still being themselves and yeah. that it still didn't work. Well, I guess that would depend on who you ask. Cause I feel like it worked really well, but it just didn't find the audience that it deserved. No, I, I guess that's what I'm saying too. I mean, you wouldn't want them to change and, and to be something else or to, uh, you know, do whatever was trendy because right. They certainly weren't, although, you know, the electronic drums and uh, keyboards and stuff were 
very popular at the time. And yeah. some of that sounds um, to that period. Right. Um, I don't like the word dated, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems kind of bizarre that they don't get talked about with Tears for Fears and, you know, Heart and Loverboy and Wham and all them. If you ever right. listen to an 80 show, those bands still get played. Boingo, not so much. Oh, I think that's it. Okay. Well, until next time, we'll see you guys later. See ya. Bye.